Hi, I'm Mercedes. I'm an entrepreneur and director at Inc. And I'm Vera, a clinical psychologist and chief people officer at Abstracta. And this is The Everything Else, a podcast about soft skills for a meaningful life. The Everything Else podcast is brought to you by Inc. English Services and Abstracta. Check our websites, inc.com.uy and abstracta.us. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Everything Else podcast. I'm so stoked about this episode, Vera, but I promise I'm going to try and beat chill about it. <laughs> well, hello everyone. We are excited because we do think this is a very relevant issue in our society. So we hope you bear with us and hope this episode triggers many conversations with yourselves and with others. Mm -hmm. So today we're sharing another special episode, a sort of in-between episode before we start season two. And yes, I know we promised that we'd do an episode on parenting, but Help me out here, Rita. Why are we breaking this promise? Well, we just felt it was impossible to do an episode on parenting and work life without diving really deep into gender and gender roles mm -hmm. and all these implications, especially when it comes to parenting. Yeah. So since International Women's Day is coming up, we figured we'd start here, right? A special episode where to analyze gender ideals for women and men and how these preconceived ideas play out in our relationships, especially at work, and what we can do, concrete things we can put into place to change this. Mm. All right, so but before we start, right, I feel like this is one of the big issues of our time I think I say that all the time. Yeah. I, I say that in every episode. Well, that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> the big issues. But many people get fired up, myself included. Yeah, I'm not going to no, deny it. But it, in a way, it gets everyone fired up, right? In different ends of the spectrum and with different beliefs. Sometimes it's hard to have this conversation without getting defensive on both sides, right? So before you listen or before you continue to listen or decide that you might not want to listen because you're not really involved in this, if you're a guy, you might live with women, work or lead women, which makes you an integral part of the issue and its solution, right? Which is why our invitation is to listen, but really listen and think openly. Yeah. And even though it's International Women's Day and it's a day to reflect on the achievements and challenges, this is not only about women, mm -hmm. as you were saying, right, Mel? This is actually enabling for everybody, yeah. women and men, because being able to question these gender roles and refresh, let's say, these ideas helps us all. Yeah. Why, Why would that be? Well, <laughs> because once Explain we... yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, because allowing us to reconsider these means that we can all take care of our loved ones and experience more successful private lives. Yeah. But also, we can all have a share and share a public life success, yeah. right? Working with purpose and feeling that we invest our time in things that make us feel productive, mm -hmm. that are meaningful to us. And we can have the co-responsibility of making a living, of having uh, paying expenses. Yeah. This brings out independence 
and interdependence, uh -huh. you know? Think of it. Having only one breadwinner many times is translated as a power struggle inside a family, a burden for many. Yeah. And teamwork is so liberating yeah. because the responsibility is shared and that implies that the weight is lighter. lighter. That's why we say interdependence. Mm. This happens at work and at home too, right? Yeah, of course. And as we've mentioned before, this is not just for people's benefits, right? We spoke about this in previous episodes. This is extremely important, pressing topic for companies and countries in terms of public policies and even prof profitability, as we've seen before. Yeah, short and long-term benefits, I might add. Yeah, and it's also, and this I, I feel is really important to clarify, it's not about playing victims here or blaming patriarchy for all our shortcomings, right? This seems to be a really common reaction to this conversation, right? But it's not about victimizing. It's about raising awareness, questioning, being a critical thinker, and then taking action. All right, so <laughs> okay, let's yeah. cut to the chase then. <laughs> Disclaimers aside, shall we? Uh, we are inviting you today to join us and to put on these worldview glasses that we've talked about so many times here at The Everything Else. Yes, today we are putting on a pair of gender lenses. And who better to help us see through them than our special guests for today, Maggie and Maga, Maggie Julia and Maga Bota. Mm -hmm. You'll be hearing some extracts from our conversation with them on this issue throughout the podcast. You can find more information on them on their website, Brava Somos, and we'll be tagging them in our social media posts to help you find them. All right. So Maggie Julia and Maga Bota, they are co-founders and directors of Brava, a firm with the mission to make women more visible and helping them to thrive, right? And they do this by drafting government policy proposals, carrying out consultancies for government entities and private companies, and coaching and workshops targeted specifically to women. That's right. And they are specialists in this matter. And that's one of the reasons we've called them. Because yeah. also because we love their approach. Yeah. We participated in a workshop last year, right, Matt? Yeah, we loved it. And we loved it, yeah. The creation of a safe a safe space, sorry, to talk about certain issues, you know? That feeling of being understood by your peers, feeling supported and lifted by the female community. Yeah, without doubt, there is something that's kind of magical that happens when women get together for a cause and look to help and support each other. I I always find that it's a pity that I discovered this as an adult, right? Mm. You're always sort of pitting against yourselves. And then when you discover that, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. So... I guess a good place to start this discussion or this conversation is by talking about our preconceived ideas of what it means to be a man or a woman, right? Just like when we talked about success and many other preconceived notions that end up being nothing other than a worldview, yeah. as we said, right? We have ideas, sometimes very strong ideas, of what we have to be like based on gender. That's right. This cultural burden is inevitable. It exists across all cultures. Yeah. But how fixed or how inflexible we think this is, how true these can change. Yeah. Even though it sometimes feels like it, please let's remind ourselves this. Gender does not mandate or sets limits of how we want to live our lives. Yeah. But gender is not sex, right? Can we talk about the differences for yeah, people who might not know? 
Sex refers to the biological differences that we might have. These are some anatomical differences, right? Especially when it comes to reproduction. Yeah. Now, as I say this, I know it does sound like a biology class, mm -hmm. doesn't it? And that is certainly very different from the experience we live as humans. Completely. Well, that is why we talk about gender. Because the constructions of what being a woman or what being a man imply is more of It has more to do than just biological yeah, differences. Yeah, it's much more than that. And there is not one right way of doing it. Okay, I like it. Go on. Okay, so remember we always insist that we are not only biological beings. Our biological dimension is important. It is. But we are biological, psychological, and social beings. The biopsychosocial social approach. <laughs> Biosocial. <laughs> It's a wonderful tongue twister. Biopsychosocial. <laughs> so that that approach, right? <laughs> you know. And gender roles are not instinctive. These are culturally imposed. This means they are not in our genes. All right. How do we know it's not instinctive, you might ask? Well, we know that because we don't all do the same. Mm -hmm. And we can see how the ideal of what being a woman implies has actually changed throughout different generations, right? It changed within cultures, and even even though there are certain aspects that are cross-cultural, it has shifted, right? But we are at a fascinating time in which we are transitioning. And this is, once again, because we are in the midst of a paradigm shift, right? We have two paradigms coexisting. The ideal of women is still largely influenced by this, right? What the expression, what was that expression that you coined? Tamed ladyship. Tamed ladyship. I, mm -hmm. I loved it. Now, what it looks like has changed in the past centuries, right? But many characteristics of this are still underlying the idea of good girls, right? What women are expected to be from the moment that they are born. And at the same time, while we want girls to be good girls... The same coexisting thing is that we are expected to be strong, independent women, and they seem like antagonistic at times, mm -hmm. right? This coexistence of paradigms is interesting because it can be tough. This transition can mm. be tough, right? Like this book's name, Strong is the New Pretty. Mm -hmm. And in a way, you might say it is. But if I'm honest, I feel that what we are under is this heavy scrutiny where strong is fine as long as you are also pretty. Yeah, it's still there. Right? <laughs> Independent <laughs> is fine as long as you're also tamed. Professional is fine as long as you're also a devoted partner, mother, daughter, sister. <laughs> We are more valuable if we are beautiful and we cultivate our beauty. And this always being this hegemonic, hegemonic standard, yeah. right? Yeah. This mainstream vision of what beautiful looks like. Yeah, and there's a lot of scrutiny involved in all of this, right? It does feel like a lot of pressure to bear. So we have all these mandates sort of ingrained in our brains, men and women, right? Of what the stereotype. The stereotypes are for each other. And for women, a lot of the ideal is based on this concept that you mentioned before, right? The good girl. Yeah. And we before we go any further, right? Remember Plato and his take on what ideas are that we mentioned last episode? Yeah. These are unattainable concepts. By definition, these ideas are not what things actually are. Mm -hmm. So in this case, ideas of what women should be like are not meant to be translated into what women actually become. Yeah. This is not how it works. But 
you'd be surprised the way these ideas have. Yeah. Because we have taken this as truth and we are educated for attaining them mm. as if we could. And we put that in the role of our adults' lives, what we expect to play. The yeah, role yeah. We and many times we believe this is where we should be or where others should be. Yeah. And this is done most often times in a very unconscious way. Yeah. And of course, these ideas of what a man should be like are unattainable too, right? Yeah. This is not just for women. These yeah, are yeah. gender roles. Mm -hmm. This is why the conversation on gender is important to all of us. Yeah. Because taking these gender ideas blindly as true, well, feeling that we need to comply with all these expectations at the same time does feel like a bit too much <laughs> for anybody. You feel under, like you're in this push-pull dance we were talking yeah. about, right? And it can be exhausting. And, and it creates anxiety and feelings of inadequacy, just in general, right? Guilt for men and women. Now, some of these things may vary from family to family, right? This idea is influenced by our personal experiences, the role models that we had, the toys we were presented with, the expectations others had of us as we grew up, right? And all this process sort of starts at a very young age and builds up. And even as these things may vary slightly, there are certain ideals, as we mentioned, that are cross-cultural. Yeah. Now, we asked Maggie and Maka what they thought this ideal meant, what mm -hmm. they thought, what they were taught to be as girls. Yeah. Now, before, before we listen, I would like to ask you guys on the other side to take a minute, right? Pause us if need be. We'll be here. We've got nothing but time in, the, <laughs> in this invented space. Think for a, th for a second about this. If you're a woman, ask yourself, what were you taught to be? And if you were a man, what were you taught to expect from women? First of all, we were not taught to raise our hand and say, I want this. We were taught to understand, to listen, to adapt, to stay home, to take care of uh, our the children or the family. Um, to wait. We were taught to wait. Exactly. To wait until we can have kids, to wait until, you know, a partner chooses us to be their partner for life, to wait for be chosen for a job, to wait for be chosen for a promotion. We were taught to wait, to understand. You know, I, I'm expected to understand all the time. If, some, if someone wrongs me or, or I believe that something has been done that needs to be changed, the first thing that... I would listen to was, but Maggie, please, you need to calm down. You need to understand. I'm tired of understanding, you know? But I've been taught to be ashamed of my intensity, or to be taught about my body. I was taught to be ashamed of my body because I didn't have an hegemonic body. I was taught to be ashamed of uh, how much I talk. I feel like it can keep on adding, right, to this list. I know I'm not only speaking for myself when I say we were taught to be communal. Tidy. Obedient. Quiet. <laughs> Tame, as you said. <laughs> That's my favorite one, yeah. I think. I feel it so often means putting yourself last with all of these things that we were that, that, that we heard, right? Because everything we mentioned sort of means that everyone else is before you. Like, you are at the service of everyone else. At the service of everyone. Yeah, at your disposal, ma'am. And for men, well, it's the opposite, right? The leader. 
assertive, bold, risk-taker, breadwinner, go-getter, strong, unemotional, independent, right? So much. <laughs> and then we wonder why men have more problems talking about their feelings and why suicide rates in men are so much higher than in women. Well, because mental health is health and not taking care of it might kill us just like any other yeah. health issue. Now, going back to these expectations that yeah. play such an important role, understanding that because you are a woman or a man might or might not imply these things is key. Mm. Basically, it's another moment in which we are faced with the otherness. The otherness. <laughs> it's like a ghost, right? We have an issue with otherness, don't we? Why are you so different from me? And in being different, so wrong, obviously. <laughs> you are, we are not. <laughs> well, yes, and this difficulty to truly accept otherness just as another way of being without judging it is what has made us feel for a long time that we had to be just like a man. Mm -hmm. Now, knowing the other and accepting that his or her differences, it's what makes us unique, right? It takes time. You don't do it just immediately. So we need to know the people for this. So our brains, many times, the first thing they do is they run on these prejudgments, these biases, because that is how our brain works. We make judgments previously to knowing the other. That's why they're called prejudgments. Now, we need to remind constantly ourselves that these are prejudgments, biases, things we assume true before we can confirm them. Yeah. They might not be true. Tip here. Always give it time to know the other person. In the meantime, tolerate and be patient while you discover what the other person really is like. This is like deja vu, right? It's, we're just repeating ourselves in well, every episode. Yeah, we might. <laughs> but much of the challenges of living in a society boil down to this. Yeah. So we need to remind ourselves of this. Hmm. Now, this is why we talk about equality. Hmm. In Spanish, you know, I like the words... Uh, of because I find that they are actually clearer to make this point, so I'm going to use them, okay? So, equality is igualdad. Mm -hmm. And igualdad comes from igual, which is the same. So, igualdad might be translated into, into English like sameness. Sameness. And this is certainly important when we talk about rights, realizing that we are the same. Mm. For a long time, the discussion around gender, unfortunately, had to revolve around that we had the same rights, men and women. And let's be clear, right? In other parts of the world, women remain without the right to vote, to be educated, to marry whoever they want, to circulate alone in the streets, yeah, to yeah. be financially We're independent. We're in a place of privilege here, but yes. still. We are lucky. And where we live, we could go past this conversation. Yet, even if we had the same rights... If igualdad was there, mm -hmm. the results are still not the same. Yeah. And it was because of structural inequalities. Mm. Inequities, sorry. Mm. Inequities, that's the word. Inequidades in Spanish. Because this is deeply connected to fairness, to being impartial in the conditions that we have. Yeah. I like the word in Spanish because it's not really associated to the financial world like it like it is in English. So inequities, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they so, they they affected it. Yeah. But you you may ask yourselves, right? Like what does this inequity, let's say, that Beta was talking about, what does it look like in real life? 
Well, we asked you guys, our listeners, for experiences. Things that happened to you at work that would not have happened to you if you were a man, right? Experiences, comments, judgments. And the response that we got, I have to say, was a little overwhelming, right? <laughs> this is like, this, it felt like the start of the Me Too movement. Um, <laughs> maybe a bit too much, but mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was, right? Um and it, it painted, in many cases, a very sort of bleak picture, right? In, even though we're in 2021, right? And we're going to read some of these experiences so that you can get an idea of what these biases and prejudgments uh, we were talking about look like in real life. You ready? I'll start. Okay. Get ready. All right. Being told that it can get too catty if there are too many women at the office because women are problematic at work. Being told to show more cleavage. Being told to show more revealing clothes because sex sells. Or jokes about considering getting implants to meet my sales objectives. You're too direct and it's intimidating for other people. You shouldn't swear. It's really vulgar for ladies to swear. You laugh too loud. In a job interview, I get asked, who will take care of your children if they get sick? Always being judged by how good I look and not by how awesome I did on something. Clients constantly hitting on me. I always have to be on defense in case someone oversteps the line. A co-worker grabbed my ass in an office party. My boss touched my private parts when I was bent over signing a document. My supervisor said it happened a lot. In an interview, got asked what my plans for children are. Being frowned upon if I say I don't want any. Having to work what feels like twice as hard to be considered an equal. Being asked to help with the cleaning. Always being asked to collaborate with others and having less time to do my own work. Being passed up front of promotion because I was pregnant. Being fired while breastfeeding because I was, quote, nervous because of postpartum, end quote. Being told to excuse directors for the language as if I were a little girl. I was asked... Asked if I still had embryos left for another fertility treatment, because if I did, I wouldn't be assigned to a new project. You're so untidy for a woman. It's strange to see such an ambitious woman. Being asked to take notes in a meeting, even though there were people below me at the meeting. Being talked to as if I were a child, having to listen to an explanation by someone who knows nothing, even though I am an expert in the field. Having to work so much harder than men to prove that you're willing, that you can take the responsibility especially after you have kids. Uh, (laughs) I feel like going home to have a little cry. (laughs) But we left out a lot of stories that were repeated, and it's amazing because we got a lot of comments and so many patterns were repeated here, right? The sexual harassment, I, I didn't write all of the comments, right? That was... It was repeated over and over. Sexual assault, even, in some Mm -hmm. cases, not just harassment, right? The blatant sexism in some cases or open discrimination. But you know what I found most fascinating is that sometimes it's the smaller, less blatant ones that take the toll. The ones that almost seem innocent, but in the end imply a power struggle, right? That puts you in a place where you either feel like a little girl, like out of place in the work world, Or a piece of meat, you know, that place of being an object that's so normalized, we don't even think twice about it. Yeah, it's these smaller ones, these biases, when biases come into play, Hmm. we don't even realize that's behind these actions. All right, so let's talk biases. Can you explain real quick what a bias is? 
Biases are these prejudgments we talked about, our brain's shortcuts. We discussed this with the boss ladies at Brava, so let's hear what they have to say. The biases, we, we have, it's like a hardware, like a chip we have in our hands. And biases says, and we are all believe, even we, if we are not conscious about it, that men are smarter than women. And, and scientifically, nothing can prove that. That's not true. Nobody can get rid of biases. Like, there is not, like, you can work on them, you can see them, you can, like, train that muscle, but nobody is free from them. Like, even if you're not aware of it, they are there operating. It's like a, a hardware. We always talk about a hardware that's there uh, yeah. because we are alive and we live in this society. Uh, biases are everywhere, you know. Uh, there's, like, attribution bias, performance bias, and there's been... Why there's been many studies that have been conducted that that prove that you know for example the the New York uh, Orchestra Philharmonic uh, made blind auditions and when they made blind auditions women made to first instruments like first violin first trumpet like in sixty percent more than in previous occasions I mean and that's performance bias and attribution bias because you see the male you see the women and you. It's automatic, and that's the thing about biases. They go like they underlie. They're not. They're not conscious. That's why they're called unconscious biases. We all have them. I have them. Maternity bias is the worst. It affects the the wage, uh, the, the salary gap. Women that are mothers earn like forty percent less than other women that are not mothers. And so when you compare that to the men, that's even that's even broader. Because we tend to assume that when women become mothers, they don't care about work enough. Even though uh, Mac always talks about a study that was made here in, in Uruguay and men skipped work more because of sport-related injuries than women because of children-related issues. Women show up, you know, it's studied. Women show up because we were taught to show up. We were taught to be reliable. We were taught that people depend on us, and so we are reliable, we show up. So let's talk about these biases they mentioned, performance bias. Men are viewed as more competent than women. The blind auditions Maggie mentioned are a perfect example, and it's the reason men are more often hired based on this future potential, and women are hired mostly on proven past accomplishments. Hmm. The girls gave us a great analogy for this. Like, men get a new size t-shirt with a promise to fill that size. But women only get a new, a new size when the old t-shirt doesn't fit anymore. Mm. Can, I, can I... I think it's important... I, I know that it's unconscious, but a lot of people... I think no one thinks that they think that men are better than women, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think if, if anyone who is listening... Nobody would say nobody that. Nobody would say that, but nobody thinks that they think that. And that's what's so amazing about the unconscious How biases. many folks people are men or women? <laughs> so attribution bias, which is greatly related to this thing that it's... a. This this trap we fall into constantly, yeah. believing that men's contributions are more valuable. Yeah, it's another. This is another one that people don't really see that they have, right? But in this sense, studies have shown that women are three times more likely to get interrupted than men, and it's really important to point out that this is not only done by men, and it's not only talking, and it's not only 
talking over women, right? It's also that the same amount of talking from a man and a woman is not viewed the same, right? Maggie and Maka shared a study that stated that if women didn't talk in the first five minutes of a meeting, her ideas would most probably not be taken into account, right? And if you talk too much, it goes to the list of things we were said. <laughs> Maternity bias was also mentioned. The stories we hear today are unfortunately great proof of their existence. Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest, I learned that the tough way also. Yeah. I, I felt embarrassed when I saw myself thinking this. Yeah. I, I was assigning a co-worker who was pregnant at the time to a project that involved traveling abroad. And the first thing that came to my mind was assuming she wouldn't be interested mm -hmm. because she was going to have a baby. Yeah. Don't just assume this for the other person. Learn from me. And yet, this happens to all of us. Thinking fast. And as Maggie and Maka say, right? Biases operate in all of us. They are our first answer. But we don't have to stay there. Yeah. You, you have to ask yourself follow-up questions in that sense, right? Yes. To make sure that you're not just repeating things. Just, Patterns. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's really important, though, to mention in, in maternity bias that unless something changes substantially regarding these gender roles, right, this default parenting mode that, that we were talking about, whereby, you know, it's usually the one with the uterus doing yep. the default parenting, it's going to be difficult to get out of this bias, right? Because many times women are the default parents. Women's jobs, therefore, tend to be seen as more flexible and a lot of times less important. It's, this is illustrated perfectly with that study during the pandemic that showed um, that during lockdown, most men worked at home in an office or a closed space, and women ended up working in the shared open spaces at home, right? Like, it seems like a small detail, innocent, you know, but the semiotics of it. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> totally. Not to mention, Mer, the amount of women who resigned to their jobs during lockdown to do the homeschooling or taking care of others. Yeah. Melinda Gates, who works a lot on this issue, and her book Moment of Lift is highly recommended. It's a very good read on this issue. She said that in December 2020, 100% of the jobs lost in the U.S., were positions filled by women. That number, you know, when I heard it... 100%. 100%. You're like, nah, it has to be, you know... 98.9, something, right? It, there has to be something wrong with a full 100%. It's just Oof. not possible. It's so tough. And then the affinity bias, which means that you're more likely to hire people that remind you of yourself. Hmm. So if there are more men in positions of power, then you're more likely to hire more men. Like Maggie said in our chat, men who said they like hiring guided by their gut feeling. Yeah. Well, you might say that this gut and conscious ideas have a lot to do. Sound like a lot, like biases. <laughs> don't, don't follow your gut. And then there's a likability bias, right? Which is my favorite to point out, not my favorite. I don't have a favorite bias. <laughs> no. But it's my favorite one to point out because it's so visible once you put these lenses on, right? And this is based on what we spoke about earlier. Women are very often penalized for not behaving in the way that we think they should. So if their behavior doesn't fall into this good girl category that we spoke about, then basically they're screwed, right? There's backlash. Many studies have been carried out to prove this, and it's a double bind because in order to be a good leader, you have to display other characteristics, right? These more male-associated characteristics. But then 
if you're a woman, these don't play out the same, right? The double so standard. The double standard. Sorry, so instead of being a leader, then you're bossy. Instead of being assertive, you're aggressive or bitchy, right? This is what comes up. <laughs> and this point here is a really interesting one because it brings us to the issue of leadership and role models. Yeah. Now, role models and what we are saying as a society matter. They are important because if you see it, you can be it. This is really important. If Say it again. If you see it, you can be it. <laughs> Take a second to think about your first leaders, the bosses that shaped you and your le your leadership styles. Were they men or women? Mine were men. I, I never had a, a female boss to, to look up to. It took me a while to find a female leader that I could feel more identified with. Because a lot of times like I saw female leaders and I, I didn't feel like it was me. Mm -hmm. That I would want to be that way, right? Mm -hmm. What about you? I was lucky. I had lots of women leaders. But that is probably because I started working into professional fields that were connected to caring. So, uh, women the job that it's okay to be if you're a woman, right? Teaching and mental health, right? <laughs> so, most of us were women. Now, that meant that when I went to another area, like IT world, hmm. I didn't feel I fit in there. Yeah, exactly. But going back to what you were saying, authenticity is an issue here. Hmm. Because we struggle with this in order to be considered a good leader or just generally fit in for those workplace. We have to take on male characteristics. Yeah. And this was also visible in some of the stories we got, where yeah. people said they didn't really have an issue because they were good at adapting to men. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that the workplace is constructed around men. And to fit in, you kind of have to become one, right? As somebody in, in one of the comments had said, I, I handle uh, male codes really well. <laughs> And so we spoke about this with Maggie and Maka too. Listen to what they have to say on this. You know, companies were built on a premise of, uh, you know, a, a stereotype of the men that work there. They were not designed for women of color, for, per for people of color, for women, for people with, you know. Uh, and so we were led to believe that that was the only way to thrive. And so we started doubting ourselves and doubting our authenticity because if I cried at work, I was, you know, I would be seen as weak, you know, and leaders are not weak because they need to make tough decisions in order to save the company. They, didn't, they never saw what we, what we brought to the table, what diversity brings to the table, you know, what empathy. We always talk with Maka, women leaders were the best to handle this pandemic, yep. you know? Countries with women at, at the front, you know, countries with uh, leaders that were women were the ones that faced the pandemic best because we have empathy, because we care for our people, because we work as a team, because we know how to collaborate, because we were taught to work as a team, to work with our community. We were, we were not taught to be the alpha male that needed to dominate the herd. And so I think that that's why we struggle with being authentic because the leadership role models that were out there until not so long ago were only one type of leader. And, and that's, that's what we try to do with Brava. We, we say there's not only one role model for leadership, Everyone brings something new to the table just by being themselves. And that is why we claim that authenticity is such a big deal because 
it's the best value you can bring to a table being yourself being true to yourself being true to your beliefs you know and this is central right we are all learning here learning how to bring out true selves to our jobs i i love that that, that concept of bringing yourself to to your job and unlearning this is key for me it's not just the learning right it's the <laughs> thinking that the things that you learned were possibly not the best and trying to get rid of them or at least questioning Remember right Remembering, I... quoting our friend Mark Twain what gets us into trouble is what we don't know it's what we know for sure that just ain't so yeah but the change you know it comes from everywhere because these stereotypes are damaging for everyone and i i feel that by being authentic and being given a place a chance right we can raise the bar for men too because these qualities they are good for leadership too right these are not soft as in secondary or less important skills right it's necessary for us to have male leaders and role models that are adopting these qualities male leaders that are not afraid to take paternity leave or prioritizing family male leaders that can break down one day in a meeting and show vulnerability yeah everyone benefits from this now many of these biases that were mentioned and situations in general might not seem like a big deal you might be thinking well it's just a joke it's just one comment it's just one but listen to this analogy they bring up uh we always say in our in our workshops and in our training that our self-worth is like a rock that we need to take care of and when we are uh when we are made you know when when people make fun of us and we or we are subject to a gender bias joke uh people people when we cut them off people would come off and say huh i mean really it's a joke and we used to go you know like you know for you it's one joke but for me it's like the 10th or 15th joke i've received in one day and maybe a drop in a stone does nothing to the stone but a drop falling in a stone you know for years and years many times a day exactly eventually erodes that stone and that stone is our self-worth is our self-esteem is our lack of trust and then when we analyze this thing we 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 say ah oh, but The problem with women is that we lack self-confidence. We need to believe in ourselves more. Like that was our fault, you know? I mean, we we need to believe in ourselves more because society led us to believe that we're not worth it, that we're not we're not the same, that we were not worth enough. I mean, that we were worth for some things, you know, like to bear children, to take care of them and to fulfill that role in our society, but make no mistake to do nothing else. taking care of our self-worth cultivating a healthy self-esteem this is so important to everyone yeah to everyone not just women mm-hmm. but in this case knowing your self-worth is key not to tolerate violence against women hmm. and by violence i don't just mean physical violence yeah yeah it's not taking crap right the confidence issue i feel is huge huge the confidence gap right there is a, people talk about that the confidence gap between men and women and this is so cultural mm. we as we were saying before it's not genetic it happens as we start to grow up it builds up and it ends up 
I don't know, you can see this in very clear examples, like yeah. the fact that men consistently oversell themselves and women undersell ourselves. Yeah, women strive for that perfection that they were educated for, right? That's part of the stereotype that we were talking about. So the lack of confidence in reaching that perfection, it holds them back. So get this, while women only apply for jobs where they meet 100% of the requirements, Studies show that men apply meeting only 60%. Mm -hmm. And men initiate salary negotiations on average four times more often. Mm. They ask for 30% more on average. And in numerous perception tests, women and men took tests, got on average the same results, 60%. Yeah. And when asked how they did before getting the results, men on average reported over that number and women reported under. So this is not just that we are saying this just to look good. Mm. We are feeling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We feel that that our contributions are, are not as worthy, right? Mm -hmm. It's terrible. It's terrible for the implications of the things that you think that you can do and yeah. how it starts eroding even at a really, really young age. Um, I read somewhere that I'm thinking about the imposter syndrome. Yeah, definitely. It's main, it, I'm supposing it's mainly for women also. I think imposter syndrome is you, it's the male way of saying you are not self-confident. Because <laughs> we talk about self-confidence. Yeah, we talk about it, right? This is male code for... <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can do it. All right, so um, I read somewhere. But it's good because it puts on the table that we all feel this. However, understanding how deep this is. Yeah, it's deeply rooted in yeah. women. It's much more deep. And obviously, we don't see that either. Mm -hmm. oh, we think that, you know, we value ourselves uh, the same. For me, when when we talk about science and we, we do, you know, we read this research and the numbers, f for me, it just really puts it on the table, you yeah. know, because you, you kind of think, nah, yeah, but not Biases me. Yeah. are very important to mm. be put on the table. Yes. I read somewhere that confidence was the art of turning thoughts into action, right? And I, I loved that. I think that that's where we have to work, right? On turning thoughts in, into action in women. And there's lots we can do. Let's see what our friends have to say on how to challenge all these biases we were talking about. The thing is that we need to learn about them in order to be self-aware, you know, in order to detect them as soon as they come out and say, okay, no, that's my bias speaking. I will take that out and try to design policies in order to work around those biases, you know, blind auditions, blind, you know, uh, uh, resumes without a picture, maybe even without a name. So you don't know if it's a man or a woman when you do like the first draft Maybe asking yourself. That's a great exercise to do. Yeah. And then asking yourself. I do this a lot. And when I think about something, I usually think I did it yesterday with a colleague. I was like, if he were, a, if, if she were a male, would you have thought the same thing? And she if was she like, were a male, would I have asked her what her plans for the future are? Worrying exactly. if she wants to be a, a father? Uh, as a company, you can, first of all, understand the problem. What I would first do is try to put the problem, like bring it to the table and make it visible. It's not something like we should start talking about what's going on. This is happening. Maybe you want to see it or not. And also for me, and I think Maggie shared this with, with me, uh, 
to understand that this this is also about being about doing better business. It's not only a human right, because I think it's like they are together, and that's very interesting. Uh, there are a lot of policies you can put on your company to encourage uh, women to become leaders, to achieve high uh, decision-making positions, uh, build those careers, uh, showcase the female leaders you have in your company so they can be role models for others, bring girls to show them what happens in your company, especially if you have a company, for example, in STEM. I know Abstracta, for example, it's a sponsor of this podcast. Everybody can contribute to solve the problem. Like, and I think we are all responsible, even if you're a female or male, if you are a mother or you are not, like there is always a way in which to make a difference. If you're a, a woman, be kind to other women, like encourage them, focus on, on what's positive on, on not what's lacking or it's not there, what you don't or what you dislike. If you're a male, encourage your partner or, or the people you work with, like, or be careful about the jokes. I, I really believe it's so, like, it's every, every place. So every, you always have the chance to make a difference. And that's something from that, like, we try to invite everybody from Brava, like, check it because it's like a muscle. You can train it. We are the system, you know, we always talk about the system, the system, we are the system, the system is composed by people, so it's not about, it's like Uncle Sam, you know, it's not about what America can do for you, but what you can do for your country, well, this is the same thing, it's not about what the system can do for you, but what can you do, you know, okay. to push to yeah, push this to changes change forward in the world. Mm. Exactly. And, and maybe by getting involved, by getting to know the problem, by speaking up, you're you're doing the right thing and you're changing the world. Uh, there's an author around there, I don't remember which, that says that uh, it's not the big changes that change the world, but small people doing small changes that make the big change, you know, and I, I'm, a, I'm a believer. Yeah, so are we. I loved these calls to actions. They seem so doable. Yeah, and I can't say this enough times, right? We are not at war, right? This is not us versus them men against women, or even women against women, fighting over a few spaces in public life. This is about accepting that some things are wrong and unfair, and all of us have to change. Yes, because these are wrong and unfair on all of us. Yeah, yeah. And it's obviously full of examples who we, of women who made it anyway, and sometimes these accomplished women, you know, pay a very high emotional cost in this journey. But they might not even see it. Yeah, Maggie said that this is called the Queen Bee Syndrome. Mm. Women who made it, and because they did, they could manage to do it, they assume that other women can and should do it too. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that these challenges don't exist, right? It just means that if you're passionate enough and persistent enough, then you can make it. But it shouldn't only be up to those with extreme passion and perseverance. Uh. Those spaces should be open for all women everywhere. And there are hurdles that we should simply not have to jump over. Yeah, hurdles the, that are normalized that should completely not be normalized. The glass ceilings that operate on all of us if we don't see them, or the sticky floors right yeah. so difficult to get away from yeah and for me it's really important to point out that respect and empathy is the key here right this is not cancel culture like you did something or said something through an unconscious bias and so now you're out right canceled lynched on social media no. right never no. again not the spirit of this it's not the spirit of this i feel this doesn't help with the learning part this is what we have 
this is in essence what we have to do, I think, when we're talking about issues like this, right? It's it's helping others to learn about it. Like Adam Grant says, think again. Think again, exactly, right? The flexibility part is important. I'm not saying that we should condone openly sexist behavior, right? But I do think that because there is a paradigm shift, we have to be a little bit more understanding of how some people, men and women, could be confused as to what to think or how to behave, right? Because it's new and unlearning is not always easy. And none of us, none of us are free from mistakes in this. And that the change will benefit all of us. Hear, hear. So that is what happened. (laughs) That is what happened to to our episode on parenting, you see? (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. So this was like a really long introduction for the parenting episode. But it was very necessary, wasn't it? I think we outdid ourselves with this one. But uh, jokes aside, Mm -hmm. gender perspective needed to be addressed before we talked about parenting. Excellent. If you want to continue this conversation, don't forget to look us up on social media. We are The The Everything Else Podcast on on Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. Um, You can also find Brava at bravasomos.com. You, they have a podcast that you can listen to also. Other it's podcasts, Spanish. it's in Spanish, so you can practice it a little bit more. Other podcasts that we like listening to that address these issues really well are Bossed Up by Emily Aris and Women at Work, but uh, it's an HBR podcast. Yes. Well, we'll see you in the parenting issue. Um, I think this is a wrap for this one. And don't forget to be the change that you want to see. Bye! Bye. If you liked what you heard, please share it and follow so that more people find us. We are the Everything Else podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from.